0: Prosopagnosia, the inability to recognize faces, occurs in up to 2% of the population. Most people struggle with it alone, unaware it even has a name. The stories in this podcast can be painful and hilarious. Join us for an exploration of the people, science, and realities of this condition. Maybe you have a hard time remembering faces. Come for the stories. Stay for the coping techniques. Our guest today is originally from Italy, fluent in Italian, English, and Chinese, and has been living in Taiwan for the last 10 years or more, working as a translator and edutainer. Antonella Gismundi, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Hi, Jeff.
0: <laughs> Did I pronounce your name right?
1: Mm, yes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very flexible about how people pronounce my name. <laughs> So it's Antonella
0: Gismondi. Uh, so we found each other on the internet um, when I was uh, posting some questions about uh, face blindness. Uh, you are face blind, but uh, you grew up in Italy, as I said. Um, could you tell me a little bit about the nature of your face blindness? If you had to describe the severity um you know, on, the, on a spectrum, where where do you where do you believe you are?
1: Mm, I think mine is pretty serious. Well, uh, it's not the most serious because some some people cannot even recognize their own face uh, uh, when they have to, if they have to pick up in a lineup their own face. Maybe they cannot do that. That's the most serious kind. But mine is also pretty serious, meaning that if I had no context, for example, that I was in a picture, because someone photoshopped me in, in a situation where I never was, maybe I wouldn't be able to recognize myself. Oh, wow. And my, my face blindness is developmental, um, meaning that it's not of traumatic origin. It's not because of a car accident or uh, having bumped my head. Um, so, and my mom has it too. So it's hereditary.
0: Mine as well, and you know, I until I read an article about face blindness and realized what it was, and mentioned it to my mom. uh, She didn't realize either uh, until pretty late in life. Um, So your mommy's
1: face blind too.
0: She is, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, it was a it was as much a revelation to her as it was to me. I I forwarded the article that first clued me into it uh, to her, and she said. Yes, that's exactly how I deal with the world too, (laughs) and then so yeah,
1: that's what happened to my mom as well.
0: Oh, so um, she found out late in life. And and how about you? How did you find out?
1: So I I was doing a master in linguistic, and I think I was studying uh, cognitive development, and there were a few um, concepts about you know brain regions and relative impairments, and I I stumbled upon face blindness, prosopagnosia, and I started reading and started getting really curious about this because, hmm, (laughs) that sounds familiar. And then after reading more on the topic, I realized that that's probably what I had.
0: So you were studying psychology at a master's level in college before this occurred to you?
1: Um, I was studying um, linguistics. I, I am now studying psychology, but at the time I was studying linguistics. Ah.
0: But prior to that, as a as a child in uh elementary school, high school, you you didn't um did did you have a sense that this was a problem? Or did you think I'm just bad with faces? Like how did it manifest for you?
1: So my theory, and this is a little bit different from, from you, because I, I listened to your episode and you you managed to perceive that there was something different about you, about the way that you recognize faces. And in my case, I just thought that everyone was bad at faces and that we were all faking our way through the world. Wow. And and I think this is maybe because I just observing my mom and that's what she was doing too. And so I just thought that this was everyone's problem. And every time I was meeting a friend, I would try to make it easy for them to recognize me because I thought, oh, that that's going to be difficult for them. And <laughs> so I would like message them and tell them what I was wearing. And my friends were like, why are you doing this? And so that's, you know, so that you can recognize me.
0: But that was just a quick exchange and they let it go and uh, didn't say, hey, we don't need you to do
1: that. <laughs> mm, yeah, but I thought that just being polite, right?
0: Right, right, yeah. Um, I want to go back real quick to the severity. Um, so there are times when you may not recognize yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, there's, uh, you know, the most famous, I I think, person that pops up in any search for prosopagnosia on the, on the internet is Oliver Sacks. And, you know, he has, you know, famously told these stories about, seeing himself in a mirror in a full-length mirror and mistaking uh himself for another person and actually addressing that other person in the mirror um so so that level of severity might happen for you
1: yes that has happened to me too it's like who is that hot chick oh hi (sighs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, what what about other um, you know famous people? So like if I say Elvis Presley or or here's one for you that'll surprise you, uh, Eros Ramazati. I don't know if you know him.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, I've got a strange backstory, and somehow I became a fan of him when I was in high school. <laughs> but would you okay, recognize would? Yeah, would you recognize uh either of them in, you know, pictures? I mean, especially Elvis, right? Like it's a iconic, famous um picture. There's not that many pictures of him really that, you know, we see the same pictures over and over again. So um yes, would you recognize I'm, him?
1: I can I can recognize pictures of him. But if mm. he was in front of me alive and with a different hairstyle, absolutely not.
0: All right. So you grew up in Italy. Um how did you make your way to Taiwan? I mean, we have to hear that part of the story.
1: Oh, so I studied Chinese when I was in Italy and when I was doing my bachelor degree. And my, my, one of my teachers was from Taiwan. And she suggested that I go to Taiwan maybe before going to, to China and see how it was. And I really liked Taiwan, so I stayed here.
0: And, and that's home now at this point, right? It's over 10 years now.
1: Yeah, almost eleven.
0: So when when we talked earlier about this, I mean, my first reaction was imagining myself in your shoes. And my first reaction was it's going to be a lot harder to deal with face blindness there because I perceive that there's probably – um, you know, a uniformity of uh, hairstyle or at least hair color, uh, uniformity of height of people. A lot of the clues that I use in daily life now to try to recognize people other than the face um, w- would be a little more masked. And has that been your experience or was that yet yeah, your, your experience when you first got there?
1: I mean, when I first got here, I still didn't know that I was face blind. So I'm still assuming that everyone is the same. And everyone is bad at faces, but no, I don't think I find it more difficult here in Taiwan than in Italy. And oh, I, you know, Taiwan is a is a dif- is a special place, I guess. And there are um, people who are from ab- they have Aboriginal origins, and so maybe they l- might look a little bit different, skin color wise, or some facial traits and hair colors too, and a lot of people dye their hair or wear very specific hairstyles, so it's not that difficult.
0: Can you compare, like how often do you go back to Italy? Are you able to compare uh, the impact of face blindness when you're in Taiwan versus when you're in Italy? Like, which is harder? How would you describe the differences?
1: Well, um, it's a little bit different now because when I go back and I usually visit once a year, I normally stay in um, in my hometown, which is kind of a small place. Well, Taipei is millions of people. So it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, but I feel like that when I go back, if I fail to recognize someone in Italy, they would think that it's because we haven't seen each other in a long time. Because apparently, and I didn't know this, um, people who recognize faces, they recognize people who have seen, they have seen recently better than people who have, they have, haven't seen for a while.
0: Sure, that makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is something I never thought about. But I remember someone recently, I, I asked my boyfriend, do you know, do we know that person? He's like, "Uh, and he's like, who is that? Like, oh, it might be that person that we met two years ago in this situation. It's like, how would I know? That's a long time ago. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Okay. I thought that if you can recognize faces, once you can put an identity on that face, that would stay in your brain forever. But of course that doesn't make a lot of sense, I guess. Hmm. So yeah, I think people, when I go back to Italy, they tend to be a little bit more forgiving if I don't recognize them, or they would be like, so surprised to see me that I know immediately that it's someone that I know, and then you can use other clues to understand their identity.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you almost get a pass uh, or a little cover because you haven't been back uh, very long. So maybe you feel a little less anxious about uh, missing someone uh, or, or not uh, recognizing someone when you go back to Italy.
1: Yeah, and also, and okay, this is a little bit bad, but um, those people maybe are not part of my usual social circle now so even if you happen to offend someone might not have a lot of social repercussions (laughs) well in taiwan if you don't recognize a colleague that you see every day that's maybe worse
0: right culturally um you know when we spoke earlier you mentioned that um there are some differences between say italy or the rest of europe or maybe america in terms of um you know, how people will communicate the truth to you in Taiwan. So they may come up to you and say, oh, you've gotten fat, I think is the example you used. Um, so you, so people are more open with sort of telling you the truth, but you feel like they are um, also maybe a little more offended if you don't recognize them. Is that a cultural thing or just it's just a human thing?
1: Oh no, I don't think they are actually more offended if I don't recognize them. Well, uh, and about communicating being direct, they are very direct here in Taiwan about physical appearance, but it might be very indirect about other things. Um, for example, rejecting uh, an offer or something else. But uh, about when communicating about uh, physical appearance in Taiwan, culturally speaking, people are, it's not a taboo. So telling you, um, yes, that maybe you look skinnier or you look fatter. That's it's considered okay. So, in general, comments about physical appearance are okay.
0: So, how do you deal with uh, you know face blindness when you don't recognize someone who and I'm using air quotes, you should recognize um, what do, what do you say to them and someone in in your circle like someone that you do um, either business with or um, you know is in a friend circle
1: So if a person is Taiwanese. They usually tend to be more forgiving because they think that, so Taiwanese people think that white people look the same, I'm white, and they think that white people see them as more similar. Was that clear? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually mm-hmm. uh, have k- kind of, this is one of my um, you know slight anxieties uh, mm-hmm. here in the States is you know, if you, uh, don't recognize if you don't recognize someone of a different race, so like an African-American here, um, there's a, a uh, common saying, "Oh, you think we all look the same." And actually there are you know, there's a lot of racism in the United States, and uh, that's true for uh, some people. It's not true for me, but if I were to mistake someone and say, "Oh oh no, I have face blindness, it doesn't work. <laughs> and so I do worry about getting caught in that.
1: Yeah, because uh, I looked at some studies and it's true that people have more difficulties when they recognize people of different ethnicity, especially if they grew up in a very um, monocultural or mono-ethnical environment. So that is generally true, that people uh, will have more difficulties recognizing people of different Ethnicities, but I understand, you know. So even though that's true, that doesn't mean that those people look the same. It's right. obviously not true. Yeah. But Taiwanese Taiwanese people are maybe because they also believe that white people in Taiwan look the same, and they always often mistake mistake me for another person, even. Sometimes my colleagues, my Taiwanese colleagues, they mistake me for um, another, uh, a Canadian woman that works with us. (laughs) And she looks, to me, she looks really different. (laughs) But, uh, and so of course I'm not offended and and maybe they are not offended if I don't recognize them for this reason. So that's kind of, we are trying to be forgiving to each other, even when I haven't disclosed that I have face blindness.
0: Right. So, so, yeah. So, how does that work? So, let's say, again, that you, um, you know, make a mistake and, you know, don't recognize someone uh, that you work with, for example. Um, what what do you say to them? Uh, do you, are you out, are, like, do, are you very open with your face blindness at this point?
1: Yes. I've learned that I need to be open because I've been into many awkward situations when I haven't recognized someone that I should really know, like, who, that maybe is someone that I see every day and then I see them in a different context and I fail to recognize them. That's really, really awkward. So I realized that I should be out. And with most people at my work, I am out. So I got um, the alert, alert card from Face Blindness UK and I carry it around. So every time, maybe when I introduce myself to a new colleague or later I tell them, hey, I'm face blind. I explain what f- face blindness is, and so very sorry if I don't recognize you. So what I usually say to people is that I'm really bad at matching faces. It's a little bit like dyslexia, face dyslexia. Ooh, but- That's good. It, which, is a, which is, you know, dyslexia is a com- concept that people understand usually very well, so. You know, and it explains it's something that you cannot help. It's a neurological um, impairment. And also I tell them that I will recognize their voice, that I will remember a lot of the things that they tell me. So that after maybe I don't fail to recognize them, if they tell me their name, I will tell them something that they told me about them to prove that I remember them this is one of my tricks so basically when I meet someone I try to have them tell me something very specific about their life and so that's next time when I meet them if I fail to recognize them at the beginning and then I understand who they are I would tell them that thing that thing that they told me it's like oh you told me that uh, you grew up in this very small town or you told me that you know something very specific that you went to that school or a detail about their life and then when i tell them they're very surprised and they realize that i actually remember them
0: so these are people who you have told that you have face blindness and or you have uh this uh, facial dyslexia. I'll have to have to think about that terminology. I really like that. But uh, you, you use that uh, in, the, in the first conversation and then later.
1: Um, yeah, not, not always. I try if it doesn't come up, it's a little bit weird. We're like, hey. <laughs> but hey, um, you know, if there is if there is the chance, I, I like to disclose.
0: Okay. And then if you meet that person again, then you're ready with, uh, you know, once you do realize who they are, Um, And and you might not know that from the beginning, right? You might start the conversation without being Mm -hmm. 100% sure.
1: Yes. Because I think why are people offended when you don't recognize them? I think that a lot of people who don't have face blindness would interpret it as you don't remember me. You know, you have forgot that you met me or you forgot about me. So that's why I want to tell them something that proves that I not only remember them, but I remember them better than other people.
0: You know, I, I have found that as I'm, as I've told people this, um, you know, especially if some time goes by, um, I think they just forget, you know, also it's hard without using that dyslexia term for people to really, buy into it you know like you can say Mm -hmm. oh i have trouble with remembering faces well everyone has trouble remembering names and faces to some degree Mm -hmm. right and so i think the severity of it fades in their mind and they might not actually remember we even had that conversation (laughs) later Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I, i suspect that might be true in your case too so it's interesting that you're you know looking forward to sort of giving them this um this feedback of a personal story about them uh it might be more for you than them maybe
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. It it is. It is. But that's also maybe just how I map uh, people that I know inside my in my mind. Since I cannot connect them to a face, I will try to connect them to other details about their life. And so, after you do that, that you access that information, it's much easier for me than to retrieve their identity or other things about their identity. So it's it's a it's a trick, I guess. Mm. It's a memory trick. And another thing is that, you know, I think you might have had the same experience when uh, you tell people that you're not very good with faces or that even that you're face blind and then they tell you, oh, yes, I'm, I also have that. And so my argument to know if they're actually face blind or if they're just trying to be polite or they just, you know, normally average good at remembering faces is I asked, I asked them, would you recognize your own parents if you if they would be here now? And if they say yes, of course, I said maybe I wouldn't. So I think that also gives them uh, a good idea of how different it is and how serious it is for me.
0: What what other kind of uh, coping skills to do you use? Um, so, so I hear that you're building up a composite. Uh, in your mind using other elements of the person some personal stories about them Mm -hmm. maybe maybe the way they look you know everything but the face Uh, but but what other um, things do you do to try to recognize people better or at least move through the world with um, a chance of of better recognition
1: Uh, i think my my two main coping mechanisms are the their voice so i'm I think I became really good at paying attention to people's voice and recognize their voice. So actually when people call me on the phone, I recognize them immediately. When I used to used to work as sales and I had most contacts on the phone, everybody, every every time someone would call me, I would say the name before they introduce themselves just because they say hello. So that you know, that's another thing that make people maybe a little bit, they feel impressed. And then if I don't recognize them face to face, that they are a little bit more forgiving, I guess. So I think that I try to overcompensate. And also I, the second copy mechanism is remembering people's clothes. So yeah, people tend to wear the same clothes a lot. (laughs) I realized. So
0: I was going to challenge you on that because, you know, everyone, you know, most people wear different clothes every day, but actually now that I think about it, you know, most people do have a closet with, uh, you know, a set of outfits and probably within that set of outfits, there are some favorites that they, you know, maybe don't even uh, consciously go to or know that they're consciously going to more often than the others. But you're right, you probably have a better appreciation for, hey, uh, Susan wore the same outfit on Tuesday last week (laughs) and Monday this week.
1: (laughs) Oh, You you know what? Okay, I'm just realizing this now. So uh, I, okay, I really like clothes. And I remember that for a while, I kind of tried to always wear a different outfit every day. Like never wear the same outfit or the same combination. And I think this might be because I realized that people do that a lot, maybe more (laughs) than (laughs) because I have to pay so much attention to it. And so I I realized that I wanted to do something different and I wanted to choose a different outfit combination every day, like for a year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but but most people probably don't notice.
1: <laughs> no, so most people probably have no idea that you're wearing those shoes with the same bag, I guess.
0: <laughs> wow. So I want to go briefly back to something you mentioned earlier. Um I have seen the uh the card from uh Faceblind UK that you mentioned online. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's like a card that you would put in your wallet, right? Like um yeah. credit card size card. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you happen to have it on you?
1: I, I just keep it in my phone case. And so when I introduce myself, if there is the chance, I kind of give it to someone and that makes it so much more official and people tend to believe you a lot more. So after I started showing the card to people, I realized that people take it more seriously. So that's really helpful.
0: You know, I um, I saw the, uh, the new... Uh, Batman movie or Joker? There's a I don't know if you've heard of the Joker movie that came out. Yeah, uh, I haven't, a couple I haven't months watched
1: ago. it, but I heard of it.
0: Yeah, so uh, the main character, the Joker, has in this adaptation um, has a neurological disorder that makes him laugh all the time uh, okay. in inappropriate places. Right, so he'll be on the bus and he's in a, and he'll be laugh. He'll get into a laughing fit. Now he. You know can't speak because he's laughing and you know Mm -hmm. people all around him are starting to freak out and uh so he reaches into his wallet and he pulls out a card for and and i can't remember what the term was for uncontrollable laughing but there was a very scientific sounding you know name at the top of the card and it described you know here's the effects and you know he would pass that around for people to read while he was in a laughing fit um i never really occurred to me that there (laughs) there might be something, there might be, that I might use this card in real life when I can actually speak to the person. But, you know, again, if you are handing them this very official looking document, if you will, and it's got a, you know, prosopagnosia, which is, that that's probably on it, right? Does it actually say mm-hmm. prosopagnosia? Yes. Yeah. So that that sounds very scientific. And yeah, I, I could see how that might work. I, I don't know if I would actually do that myself. I'd have to try it.
1: Yeah. And uh, especially when i have failed maybe to recognize someone and then they it, it, when i say uh, i have a problem recognizing his faces and they look a bit skeptical i just use the card there is a qr code makes it look very official yes you can scan the qr code and some people have done that they just took their phone and scanned the qr code and go oh yes it's a thing
0: oh i'm definitely gonna have to reach out to Face Blind UK and get someone on the podcast. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. So uh, when we spoke our, uh, last week, you know, I, I stumbled upon I think a really important uh, discussion point here. You, you kind of uh, put me back on my heels a little bit during our discussion. So I was describing how you know I use the grocery store as a great example of this, but it could be anywhere in public when I walk. Mm-hmm. In public where there are lots of people walking towards me, especially if I'm in a place where there are likely to be people who I should recognize. Um, I tend to have this friendly look on my face. Like, uh, it's, it's happy. It's uh, friendly, it's welcoming. Uh, you know, it's, just this side of serial killer or crazy person, but, um, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, it's a delicate balance to get it just right. And, and I don't consciously do that. It's something that I think has just developed over time as a natural coping mechanism, even long before I knew what this was. And so someone walks towards me, uh, in public and I will be watching their eyes Again, this is almost automatic at this point. I don't consciously do this, um, but I'm watching their eyes, and part of my brain is running a little program saying, "Hey, do you see the flash of recognition?" And if they, if I do see that, then uh, the brain switches into almost like an automatic private eye mode, where I'm looking at, uh, you know, like you said, what color are the shoes they're wearing? <laughs> do I have I yeah. seen that? Have I seen that shirt before? You know, these kinds of mm-hmm. things. Um, and. I think that's really common. I've talked to quite a few people with face blindness, and and I hear that is a common coping mechanism. And when I described that to you, you had a very different take on it. Could you tell me your thoughts?
1: Yes. I think that um, as a woman, it might be a little bit more complicated. Because unfortunately, sometimes you cannot afford to be friendly with everyone or anyone who approaches you when you are in a public space. Um, So it has happened to me that sometimes maybe uh, a man has approached me in a friendly way, in a way that I wasn't sure if I knew them or not. And then maybe later I found out that they didn't have very great intentions or things like that. Um, But I think the most scary thing for me... Um, about face blindness is that if I had bad encounters with someone, for example, someone who has tried to follow me home or something like this, it's scary to think that if I saw them again, I would not know. And I wouldn't be able to, um, to be careful enough.
0: Hmm. That that was just so the the whole story was so shocking to me and I and I I actually felt bad because you know it just I hadn't put myself in a woman's shoes dealing with this and it's probably true for most women out there I mean you if you're in a public place and you know you you, you almost don't have you can't use this coping skill that so many men do um, because you could be putting yourself in danger or if not danger at least sending a, a signal that you don't want someone to interpret. Incorrect.
1: Yeah. Or you could be just in an uncomfortable situation that's dangerous or not, but it's maybe could be unpleasant. Right. Or, mm. but yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I'm going to tell you this story. And so um, about a year and a half ago, I was coming back home. And so I came out of a, um, a subway station and that goes in a park. And so I was walking along this park and this was full day. And this guy tried to approach me and, um, he wanted to talk to me basically. And I told, I, I was wearing earphones and I just told them, uh, sorry, not interested, something like that. Uh, and he, um, took a rock and threw it at me because he was upset that I wasn't talking to him. And, um, and so this guy is probably Taiwanese. So at the time was reported the incident, but I didn't have enough and like the camera didn't catch his face or whatever.
0: And you couldn't describe him.
1: And I wouldn't be able to recognize him, right? And, and then what happens is that I decided I'm not gonna, I'm gonna change basically because he, he might be there. So I cannot walk that route anymore because I wouldn't be able to recognize him. Because I, I realized that he might be in that park for a specific reason, because there is like a hike near that park. So he was asking me if I wanted to go on that hike. So I, real, I decided I'm not going to walk through that park anymore, just because I wouldn't be able to, to recognize him if he approached me again, or, you know, I wouldn't be able to stay alert. And um, so a few weeks later, uh, I'm with my boyfriend, so I feel safe enough to go to this park again. And uh, there is a public restroom and my boyfriend goes into the restroom and this guy approaches me again. It's the same guy. It's the same guy, but he doesn't recognize me. And, um, you know, he's Taiwanese, I'm white. So maybe he approaches a lot of white women and he didn't know and I maybe looked different that day. Hairstyle-wise or whatever, so he approaches me again. He asks me the same questions. So after he approached me, I knew he was him, and he didn't know it was me
0: because of the questions he was asking, because and his his voice,
1: voice, you know, his attitude, and so I waited for my boyfriend to come back, and he and I said, "This is the guy." And I said, "Can you be?" And I tried to tell him to stay there until I called the police, but he ran. So, you know, you cannot really detain him or anything. So, unfortunately, nothing was done. But um, it was pretty scary to realize that this guy 100% sneaked on me and I didn't know it was him until it was too late. So, if he could recognize me, maybe he would have hurt me already.
0: That is so scary. Wow.
1: Yes. And there is also another thing about this story. Okay, so this is something that could be a separate incident. So a few weeks ago, I was in a very different part of town. And as I said, Taipei, very big town, very big city and millions of people. And I was uh, buying some food, some street food, and waiting for my boyfriend. And a guy approaches me and started asking me some questions in English. And I, inside me, I, I don't know, like immediately I felt very threatened, even though the, his questions were very, um, innocent. And I started thinking if he was that guy or not, but then I was like, it's impossible. It would be too much of a coincidence, right? After two, almost two years in a different side of the town. And, um, so, uh, I, even though I wanted to tell, tell him off, I decided to be very polite because I was scared because I thought it might be him. And so I was very nice to him, just, you know, uh, be like, okay, yes, okay. And uh, when he asked me what I was doing there, I told him I- I'm waiting for my boyfriend. And so he didn't say bye. He just went and stood on the other side of the road. My boyfriend arrived and we went somewhere else. And so they didn't talk to each other or anything. Forty minutes later, um, I'm in a bar with my boyfriend. And um, my boyfriend gets hit by a rock. And the person who hit him ran away. (sighs) So, uh, after reporting this incident to the police, he had to go to the hospital because he had, like, a, a concussion. And we, um, the police realizes this is the same guy that approached me at the, when I was buying food. And I started realizing, well, that would be a very weird reason for him to hit my boyfriend. And then, you know, he, it's, he was probably the same guy who hit me with a rock two years before. And I- There's,
0: there's just no way for you to know.
1: No, and so you know, I could be in a very different part of town tomorrow and see him, and I wouldn't know unless he started talking to me and asked me the same questions. Mm. And that's so scary. But but uh, but this time, it has a good ending because we identified him. The police identified him because he. Uh, there is a footage where he took his scooter and he got. They got his license.
0: But you still. Uh- you know, the police didn't investigate to see if maybe he was involved previously.
1: Unfortunately, that's not possible because the statute of limitation has expired for the other incident. Uh. So they don't have the footage anymore. But they, they told me that even though I, I told them that he might be the same person, they said that for this time we have such a strong case because you can see that there was no provocation. And he we have all the footage of him, you know, he, he hitting my boyfriend with a rock and then escaping and he was in the bar only for less than two minutes and everything so uh, we have a very strong case so they think they the police said even if though you think it's him it's not a big deal if you cannot connect him to the previous incident but yeah
0: you, you know when i um came up with the idea for this podcast i assumed that there would be lots of funny stories and probably some heartbreaking stories. I, I uh, have funny
1: I, stories too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't plan. I didn't plan on them to be scary. But thank you so much for sharing. Well, yeah. So, do you have a funny story you'd like to share?
1: Yes, I have two. Like my two go, funny stories. Okay. So the first one is about uh, my mom and I, because my mom is also face blind, as she found out after I found out. So um, I go back to Italy about once every year, and um, once I, I went back, and usually my my parents come and pick me up at the airport. So I was waiting for a couple in their sixties to come and pick me up, <laughs> my parents, <laughs> which is probably a weird way to describe your parents for normal people. And, um, but my, my father went and parked his car, so he wasn't there. So only my mom was there, who, again, also has face blindness. So I arrived looking for a couple, couldn't find them. And I just thought, oh, maybe they're not here yet. I'm just gonna stand here and wait for them. And, but instead my mom was there and I think she didn't recognize me either. So after maybe 10 minutes that I'm already out uh, in the arrivals, uh, my father comes back and then he notices that there is me and my mom standing like five meters from each other looking around. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, hi.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, uh, so we, that, that, that's like a total fail but at least it was a fail from both sides so that's okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one now do you think that you would uh be better at recognizing your mom uh you know if you stayed with them for a week you know by the end of that week uh that wouldn't happen
1: yes that wouldn't happen because um you know of course after you don't see someone um, for a while they have very different hairstyle maybe they have changed body type you know oh, there are all these factors that uh, right. you don't need to account for if you see someone often yeah
0: yeah, yeah. So, so you said you said you had a second story
1: yes Well, oh, oh, just the um, to to mm-hmm. uh, finish about parents i d- only remember that when i was Young, and we went to the beach. That was a little bit different. I, I live in a town, I used to live in a town on the beach, and we went to, to the beach a lot. And I think just without normal clothes, it's, it was more difficult for me to recognize my parents. And so it, it happened that I got lost at the beach once. just, I wasn't after maybe I went swimming and you know, there is a current and you come back, you're not exactly in the same spot. And I wasn't able to look at my parents. So just start walking and I went in the wrong direction. Um, so yeah, I, I remember that. I just thought that was pretty common for kids. But, um, but But looking
0: back on it, yeah, looking back on it now, you realize, oh, face blindness had a a big part in that.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. oh yeah so other funny stories um okay so while i think people have a good idea where you tell them that you mm, can recognize people they uh, or that you mistake someone from someone else i think that even people without face blindness can kind of relate to this story because it has happened to them in a different way but I think that something that's very specific to only people with face blindness is that when you know someone in two separate contexts and you think they are two different people. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but they are the same person.
0: <laughs> I'm not following. Can you give an example?
1: Okay. Okay. So um, uh, I used to work um in 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 my hometown and i had a lunch break every day and i would go out Uh, there was a there was a, a shop selling bags and accessories and i remember i was sometimes i would go there just to check out the the stuff and then i kind of got became friend with the person who was selling You know, the person who was working there, the shop assistant, and she was really, really nice to me, and she was so friendly, and I was like, okay, I like this person. So I started talking to her, and I visited her very often, and um, always being very friendly. She was always so nice to me, and blah, blah, blah. And then after maybe weeks or months of this, I remember that one day she told me, hey, um, my cat did something very silly today or something like this. And I, I really like cats. So I asked her if she had a picture of her cat and she, she, took off, she took out her phone and showed me the picture of her cat. And I said, oh, my neighbor has the same cat.
0: <laughs>
1: that was my neighbor. So that woman was my neighbor all along. And I, you know, every day I would say hi to my neighbor and then I would go to work and then I had a lunch break. And then I go to see this woman at the shop and they were the same person. And I didn't realize until I saw the cat. Wow. And then after I said that, she looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And then after a few seconds, I realized that. And then I was, and then I start, I tried to play it as a joke, and was like, "Ha ha ha ha, ha. Mm. Yes, of course, it's you. I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke." But I feel like she was like, kind of offended. I was like, oh my god!
0: So did you end up telling her about prosopagnosia?
1: No, because I didn't know at the time this was my.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So I don't know. She just looked very different in a different context, I guess. I don't know. But that explained why she was that friendly with me, I guess. So so that, that was, that was embarrassing. That's, that's really embarrassing, but I'm really good at recognizing cats, I guess.
0: <laughs> that's good. Antonella, thank you so much for joining the podcast today and the wonderful stories. Um, Before we leave, I was wondering if there's maybe some advice or something you'd like people to know about prosopagnosia.
1: Mm, Okay. Um, Especially for people who are face-blind, I think um, coming out as face-blind is something that people can start thinking about. And even though I understand that it's not safe, socially safe to do in every context, and it's something that people, of course, will need to think about and reflect on. But in my experience, I realized that after I after coming out and, you know, after showing people resources about face blindness, it has helped me to reduce some of my social anxiety when meeting new people or when, um, you know, I fail to recognize someone. So it could be helpful and something that uh, maybe it's not safe in all contexts, you know, for example, some people might not be able to do it in their job. It depends. But uh, it has helped me personally.
0: Yeah, I totally concur. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fantastic advice.
1: And uh, so in, in in some way, uh, this is something that we cannot help. It's just how our brain is wired and we are neuroatypical in this aspect. And... Um, and that's why I think I use the example of dyslexia when I explain face blindness to people because it's a con- dyslexia is a concept that many people are familiar with and they know that people with dyslexia, just their brain doesn't allow them to uh, interpret uh, written words in the same way that you know normal people, air quote, would do. And I try to use that example to explain how I can really match faces that easily, but that doesn't mean that I am not paying attention or uh, that I don't remember them.
0: Mm. Good advice. Thank you so much again.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: For more info on this episode or prosopagnosia in general, visit faceblindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.